0: Well, good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. What a beautiful day, huh? Man, I don't know if all of you were awake to listen to the thunderstorm last night, but it was rocking and rolling in our house. It was fun. So let's lift up the name of Jesus. That's what we're here for. let's sing come on get up lift your hands and praise the lord come on get up lift your hands and praise the lord now don't just sit that this is what we were made for let's sing that again come on get up lift your hands and praise the Praise the Lord. I don't just sin, this is what we were made for. That's right. Where you were lost in darkness till the Lord found you, you confessed your sin and he's forgiven you, Together. get up. God's word is true, we promise that he'll never forsake you. Get up, lift your hands and praise the
1: Lord.
0: Come on, get up, lift your hands and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord I don't just say it's what we were made for Sometimes life, sometimes life is hard, but God's word is true I Promise that you'll never forsake you at all lift your hands to praise the Lord The Lord. Now don't just what we were made for? Third verse, come on. Well, oh God. God sent His spirit, so not alone to live through us until He takes us. for it up. Lift your hands to praise the Lord. Here we go. Now don't just sit there. This is what we were made. Don't just sit there. This is what we were made. Don't just sit this, we this is what we were made for. If you weren't awake yet this morning, that should have helped. Lord, we thank you again for this beautiful day. We just want to praise you, God.
1: I cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, My Savior on that cursed tree. Amen. Sing it out. His body laid and drenched in tears.
0: Do something real quick Just close your eyes And just sing that chorus One more time If you want to raise your hands The whole scriptures say Lift up holy hands To the Lord We'll say Oh praise the
2: I think it was last week Nick said, everyone who came to Jesus fell on their knees, <laughs> right? There's, if we really knew who God was, we couldn't help but praise Him. He is so worthy this morning. Praise His name. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise His name. It's what we were created for. What a joy to sing that this morning. Thank you to the Lord for his presence, his grace with us this morning. If you're new here uh, visiting, we want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Pastor Ben Green, and uh, it's just such a joy to, to be here together, to be in the presence of the Lord, and we want to welcome you. There's little cards in front of the seat, and if you're new, we'd love to reach out to you and share more about uh, the Rimrock community that God has uh, called here and, uh, in Johnson Siding. We're also, uh, part of our church is downtown, and so we're, we're two campuses, and uh, our vision is to be a community being transformed by Jesus Christ, and one of the couples in our downtown campus, Mark and Kirsten Falcon, uh, God used to bring a ministry uh, to the Black Hills. And so part of the, the vision and the transformation that, that God has given us um, is for us here as, as a community. But there's a missional part of Jesus' call. He said, before he left the earth, go and make disciples of all nations. And if you've hung around uh, Rimrock, you've heard about our ministries in different parts of the world. But right here, locally, there's opportunities to make disciples, not only in uh, the church, but outside in the community. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a video from a ministry called Rockside Ranch. And so Mark and Kirsten Falcon helped bring this ministry, but there's been many Rim Rockers involved, and there's many other churches involved. And, and I've seen firsthand the fruit of this ministry as uh, different men who've been part of this ranch. Uh, being discipled, being transformed by the power of the gospel, have gotten involved here at Rimrock, and I've seen the fruit and the power of the gospel to bring transformation. Um, there's a table out in the foyer where uh, people from Rockside Ranch will be, and they're handing out little uh, bulletins, flyers that have information about the ranch. There's a, there's a card in there with lots of opportunities to serve, to give, to be involved. So would you please uh, check uh, out this video and, and learn more about Rockside Ranch?
3: This has been a big passion of mine for a long time since I got into the trades. I noticed that the trades were dying and the trades uh, were without skilled workers. They were without uh, people that were willing to do the work, especially in the plumbing arena. When you have a man that wants to learn and grow, he needs a place to be able to go and do that. Rockside Ranch is, that, is one of those places. It's not the only place, but it's definitely one of those places that makes a big difference in men's
4: lives. Young men begin their Rockside journey with an eight-month life restoration program on a working ranch. For 240 days, students live on the ranch and practice the skills they need to thrive and work and life. After graduation, they move from the ranch to the workforce house to begin a career in the trades. In workforce, students benefit from employment, housing, and community. With the ranch and workforce, we get to take part in meeting two big needs, helping young men overcome crisis and training up the next generation of skilled workers. The workforce program in Rapid City started in 2020. And for the last 10 years, we've been running the ranch program outside the small town of Etna, California. Now, we're launching another ranch in western South Dakota.
3: Through a combination of connections and, and relationships that existed and the ones that God's provided, we were able to move from conception of the idea in late January of 2021 to actually renting a ranch in June of this year.
5: When I heard about Rockside Ranch uh, and what they would hope to do to help uh, give young people, young men, skills and, and uh, work experience, I see the need for that all the time in people my own age, all the way down to younger men and women, especially young men. And uh, so I want to support and do what I can to help the next generation be ready to lead their families and be ready to lead the country and be ready to lead the community. It doesn't make a life-changing difference one time or two times or three times, but over time people build confidence that I can do something. People build confidence that, uh, that I, I, I can do this if I keep trying, keep, keep working at it. When we purchased the property, I had never even heard of the
6: Rockside Ministry, but we're in a, a position where we're going to have a, a renter move out and we're going to have to find a new renter, and that's when we were introduced to this concept and uh, met Craig and, and Gordon, and you could just see the passion in, in them for this ministry and what they've sown into it. Um, but like most people, you know, we had questions, we had things that we wanted them to address. Um, you know, concerns. You know, what, who are they going to be bringing in? How is it going to work? What were their plans? But in the end, the success that they've had in transforming lives led us to want to give them an opportunity to repeat that here in South Dakota. You know, we've been blessed with the opportunity to buy this property. And it's our way of turning around and and passing that on.
3: Ranch isn't just feeding your cows and calling calling it quits for the day. You know, you're you're fixing fence and repairing barns and working on water and
4: electricity. So much going on in every corner of a ranch. And I think it's just a great opportunity to mentor some guys into, I don't know, day-to-day common sense things, so. To have a place where men can can live and work and and grow spiritually you don't have to hide your spirituality Um, you can openly talk about what god's doing in your life and what that means to you and really get back on their feet i thought was a a huge a huge blessing Um, and it really just shows how the holy spirit is working through that situation that um, that they're really ready to start uh, moving and start impacting the lives of men no, I'm just excited to see where we go see uh, just get the ball rolling and see what it looks like when we get some guys there and just see the spokes in the wheel turning
5: And it is so clear that we are supposed to as Christians serve and love others as our witness not demand of other people not criticize other people not have legalistic laws and rules but but through love, change minds. Well,
3: I think that the, I think the biggest advantage of Rockside is the, the length of time. You know, an eight month uh, commitment to be um, away from your old patterns, your old friends, your old network, your old neighborhood. And at the same time, learning, learning new skills Uh, Whatever your skill set is, there is a place for you to serve at Rockside, and uh, even if that's long-distance air support through prayer, um, you you can can be involved, and it's a unique opportunity to be involved in a ministry, so I would say get connected through the website and uh, get updates on what's going on so that you can pray more intelligently, so that you can make yourself available physically, whether that's through skills or through mentorship, you know, there's going to be a need for... Uh, the local church to come in throughout the week, throughout the eight month uh, career, and just be involved in these guys' lives. We need the support in this community to to see what this is really about, that this is not a a convict type of program, this is a restoration program, and this is a a fruitful program. Um, And it's gonna meet the needs that we have here in South Dakota.
2: Praise God. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. As we pray, as we continue in worship uh, this morning, I've been thinking over the last week, we've been commemorating 50 years since the flood here in Rapid City, and I've been hearing stories, and I know many of you right here have stories to share. I've heard, Tom, I've heard your story of that flood 50 years ago, and so just thinking about that, remembering those who were lost, but... This is the, the psalm that, that has been coming to mind this past week, and I'm going to use this as a prayer as we continue our worship. God is our refuge and strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Do you believe that this morning? Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains quake with their surging, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Aren't you thankful there's a river that brings life, (laughs) not destruction? The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts up his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, scatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen.
1: Water in the stone, manna on the ground. No matter where I go, I don't need to worry. Now that I know everything I need, you've got is honey, honey in the. Earth.
0: Of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all i have in you is more than enough more you are more than enough for me more than all I know more than all I can say you are more let's sing that bridge one more time come on more than all You are more than enough for me More than all I know More than all I can say You are more than enough And all of you is more than enough For all of me For every third Every need you satisfy me With your love and all I have in you Is more than enough Do you, bring, do you believe that this morning? Let's sing it to him one more time. to sing it say And all of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all i have in you is more than Amen. Father, we thank you that that is so true, God. It takes us, sadly, many years to figure that out. And Everything we really need, God, is you and is in you. And your word says that we have everything in Christ that pertains to life and godliness. Everything we need, God, pertains to life and godliness you've given us. Help us to see that, Lord, to grasp that today. That all the other stuff that we've tried to use to make us okay is just silliness, God. So just, uh, Lord, just speak through Bill now. Listen through us in Your name. Amen. N- uh, no, I don't. Okay. Know why I didn't hear you singing?
6: No. <laughs> no, the buzzing. Oh, the oh. Okay. Well, good more... Well, that's. It's you. <laughs> well, good morning. <laughs> uh, this is such a neat book. I'd, of course, every time we look at anything in Scripture, it just excites me, and you, sometimes I was telling my wife the other day that getting up and reading this each morning for 50 years. You think you just kind of run out of information, and every day it's like it's brand new. It's like it just opens up, and you're just amazed that we are so much like little children that we know little, and then when God opens up the doors, and you see a little bit more, a little bit more here. Uh, I'm going to challenge you today. Is this getting a lot of feedback today? Is there anything I can do? All right. I encourage you when you uh, come, or if you happen to be here, or maybe you're online and you're watching, that when you hear the message, a lot of times the messages that we give, they're building on top of the message that were done before. And so when Ben talks about something and then Nick picks up last week and talks about some things uh, that I feel we were going to keep continually build on, I encourage you to go back and to to re-listen we do that when we study uh, i think when i study or read or something that's really catching my heart i, I want to something triggers my heart and i want to go back and then i want to reread it and i encourage you to do that uh, so that you have time to pause you have time to reflect uh, as the bible in psalm says say meaning stop pause for a minute and let me take this in and see oh, what god is trying to do in my heart there are unique times in your life, and I know in my life, where I can remember some events that I just came to, and I did not anticipate, nor did I uh, expect that something would uh, take place that would actually change the course of my life forever, and and, and in little events, you don't know, you just show up, and then all of a sudden, God lifts a veil, and And when he does, something pierces and tugs on your heart. And when it does, you realize, I will never be the same again. That doesn't mean that I won't make mistakes, and I won't fall, and I won't act different. But something grabs you, and you realize that there was a part of the kingdom of heaven that was revealed. I'm reminded of when Jesus asked Peter and said, who do they say that I am? And Peter answered, you're the son of God, you're the Messiah. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but the spirit of the living God did. I'm going to pray that the spirit of the living God would move in your heart as you come to service or when you come back and reflect on things or go back and re-listen to things, that something would happen and you would be able to say, God, I remember from that day forward something was different. I really believe that we have that opportunity, and today we're going to look at some of the things that block us from being able to experience that. And you'll see that as we read. Today, my passage is shorter, so I get to read it today, and uh, I am going to ask you if you're, uh, if you're able to stand. I was at a game yesterday, and, uh, and they played the national anthem, and everybody stood. Everybody took their hat off, everybody put their hand over their heart to show respect for the people that sacrifice their lives for us in this country. I remember being uh, proud in Meadowbrook School as a first grader when we said the Pledge of Allegiance, and we stood and we put our hand over our heart. When Ben or Nick or I or Boomer ask you to stand, it's not kind of a legalistic deal at all. It's simply you could sit down, you could lay down, you could do whatever, and God's going to be right there because he's not leaving you. It's just a sign of showing respect that we are honoring the Word of God we're grateful for the Word of God and and I say that it trumps all of the other things and so when we stand and we read the Word of God even sometimes God may speak and do something in your heart simply because of that action and you won't even be able to explain what happened other than that you were honoring God and saying your your word is bigger than me so let's look at Mark chapter 6 starting with verse 1 We'll read 1 through 13. And he went out from there, and he came into his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began teaching in the synagogues, and many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him, and such miracles as these performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? and they took offense at him and Jesus said to them a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household and he could do no miracles there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them and he wondered at their unbelief and he was going around the villages teaching and then he summoned the twelve, and he began to send them out in pairs, and he was giving them authority over the unclean spirits, and he instructed them that they should go- take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And then he added, Do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. At any place that does not receive you, or listen to you as you go out from there, shake the dust off your souls from your feet, from your testimony against them. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they were casting out many demons and were anointing oil with the sick people and healing them. You may sit down. There's a lot of questions that you might be asking on this portion of Scripture. Uh, as I was looking into this, a there's something that I feel is, uh, the scripture calls it, to take the lid off. It means that to, to show a mystery, is that there's something, but underneath there's something bigger or something deeper that's there. I got so excited, I got so moved that I just wanted to scream out and to say, gosh, I, I hope that somehow I can bring this out and see that, uh, that what God was really trying to teach, and some things that can block us. And I was sitting over here, and uh, I said, God, I just am not able to do this. I can't produce anything and produce any life that's really going to impact. And I said, I at least, Father, would you just at least block the things of my own self, and my own flesh, and and my heart is troubled right now. Would you just give me just some type of comfort? And when I said the word comfort. A little boy my grandson came up sat with me with his little suit on with his little donut and he put his hand on my knee and I first thought it was God at first and I said well he, he works through little boys and I looked up and I realized that God just was saying it's all right it's all right I'm not responsible for what you get I'm responsible for my part of just being able to share with you some of these things and so I would like to do something I'd like to start with verse 1 if you have your Bibles open them up uh, if you have your little little iPods or whatever they're called you see I'm still this <laughs> and uh, and let's look at some of these things because there's a lot in here that I think is really kind of helpful for today he comes into his home town and uh and these guys are by the way let's let's pause for a minute and remember that jesus was in his hometown for 29 years now we just see him at age 30 when all of a sudden he does his first miracle of turning the water into wine but you've got to go ahead and say where what was going on for 29 years we get a little glimpse at a 12 year old boy Put yourself in that place you're at, in sixth grade and uh and you come into the church and a sixth grader a little sixth grader comes up here takes the pulpit and in, and totally embarrasses ben and nick and bill and boomer uh he preaches that people are thinking what in the world where did this come from you get little glimpses but you do get here that all the way through his life there was no guile in him that meant he never acted out of self he never acted selfishly Now he hadn't performed any of these mighty miracles that we're going to look at in the book of mark but i believe that he lived a life and i'm going to challenge you a life that you and i possibly will reflect more of his life from zero to 29 than from 30 to 33. i believe that the dependency that he had upon the father was being reflected and and i'm sure that if i hear jesus and know jesus uh, he wasn't shy, probably, about talking about who God was and who Abba was. I believe there was probably lots of times that he was sharing things, and so it didn't just all of a sudden happen. But I'm sure they're they're kind of blown away by this. I mean, they're marveling at this next door neighbor, or this brother, uh, or the son that has we've seen earlier, he's healed sick, he's cast out demons, he's raised people from the dead he's turned water into wine and they're not seeing something what is it that does not see something? what is it that blocks him? there's a word here that says uh, that they stumbled it says uh, who is this carpenter, the son of Mary, the brothers of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon are not his sisters with us? And they took offense at him. That word offense means stumbled or blocked. It means they, they stumbled or they were blocked. And I have seen this in my life growing up, in my own life especially, but I've seen it throughout reading scripture. And you've probably seen things and you're thinking, he stood and did these miracles before him. How could they not have seen? What blocked them from seeing this? And I want to challenge you today that I think that some of this, we're going to at least see two things that are revealed in the Scripture, but some of it is we come to every situation in life with our own bias. We have strong beliefs that we believe, and nobody is going to shake us or move us from those beliefs. You don't think that's true. Take a look at your friends and neighbors when it comes to politics and viruses. You can't move somebody from what they believe. You could probably come out and show physical evidence. They cannot see anything different than what they believe. They have their own bias. Well, take a look here. Now let's back up, and you're here in this land, and you've got this neighbor who probably threw rocks and skipped rocks, and he couldn't even skip rocks very well, probably. He wasn't much to look at, it says in Isaiah, so he wasn't this attractive hunk. And all of a sudden... He's saying he's the Messiah. You see, I, I believe that their image of the king, when he talks about the kingdom of heaven is upon you, their image of what a king would be was so. Uh, ingrained in them that it was a king that was going to come and rule, mighty rule, on this land. And nobody could hold a candle to him. And he was going to basically change the world. And he was going to change all the people put together, or to death, all these Romans and stuff. They believed so much in what their belief was in the Messiah and what he would look like. That they couldn't even see the Messiah when he was before him or lived next to him. I had a guide that I knew fairly well. And I had just listened to a guy talk, and uh, I said, yes, he's something. And the guy goes, I I can't listen to him at all. He's just not that good. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, I I grew up with him. He went to my school. And he was a younger guy in the school, and he just wasn't that much. So for me to just listen to him, I can't get anything from it. And I said, really? What was his name? Billy Graham. And he was so blinded, and I get it. I get it. He's so blinded. Many of you have heard me up here for 49 years. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. What's he got to offer here? Put the little kid up with a suit on. Okay. We get so blocked, and our mind gets so distracted. Just yesterday, uh, Nancy and I, we, we had the certain plant that we wanted, and we wanted to get three of them, because she said things have to be in threes. I don't get that. I i just get if there's two there's two she said, "No, it has to be in threes so i pick up three because there's only three left in the store so i pick up three and i said okay i've got these three I've, i'm doing good here i've got these three i go down to get some other things we come back to check out somebody has walked by and stole one of them out of my basket <laughs> and i thought okay where's Haggerty?" i thought i was looking around find out where he was and said, no, maybe it was one of my, my sons or something. Nope, somebody stole it. My mind became so occupied with finding who it was <laughs> that I'm not, you know, I've got to be somewhere. I've got to be to a, a, a baseball game here with one of my grandkids. I don't care about the baseball game. I'm locked into who took that plant. And it just blocked me from things. I stumbled over things. You're going to see, as Ben's going to talk next week about Herod. Now, this is my take on Herod. Herod somehow is consumed, I don't know, fatuated, likes, dislikes, I don't know, but he's consumed with John the Baptist. And he's got him in prison, but John the Baptist is in prison because he's confronted him on sleeping with his brother's wife. And he's saying it's not right. But he, somehow he, he liked the things he had to say, or at least they were challenging to him and 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 you'll find out from herod just a lot of things about herod he was basically a pleaser he wanted to please everybody and you know the story of the gal that comes and dances for him and he says i'll give you half of the kingdom if it means and the mom says give us me the head of john the baptist he goes oh but he's going to do it now all of a sudden people come and say who is this jesus because now all of a sudden Jesus is on the scene and he's doing incredible things. And they're saying, somebody says he's a prophet from old. Somebody says he's Isaiah. Somebody said he's John the Baptist. He goes, that's who it is. It's John the Baptist. Because he was so consumed and he was terrorized at night that he had killed John the Baptist. He could not even see the Messiah standing before him and doing things before him because he was so caught in his own bias spending a little time here because I want to challenge you that we all have these. Years ago, it was, uh, I can't remember what date it was, 1977. I strongly believed, I'd become a believer, God had called me to himself, and I dove into this stuff. I just thought, man, this is the greatest secret on earth that we can actually know the living God. I, I didn't know that, and I was a churchgoer, but when God lifted the veil and I came to him, and I began to believe so strongly in this that my whole world was turned upside down. I said, Man, I'll never be the same. And I believed some things that were so solidly locked in my head that nobody could move me from those. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't hold on to your doctrine solidly, but I think you should hold on to your doctrines with an open hand to say, God, who are you and let you define my doctrine and something happened in my life that threw me off kilter I was knocked over and somebody began to share with me I I felt like the book of Acts when they came and they said let me share with you fully the gospel of grace and not the partial message and because I was so shook and out of my place I said, okay, and I began to be open to something that might be different. My bias would not let me hear that before that day. And somehow that day, God lifted a veil and showed me who he was. And this was not a message of religion about doing all the good things and not doing the bad things and trying to keep God pleased and living under a conditional love. But he said that this is a story about me uniting my life with yours you were intended bill for me to inhabit your life so that we together would be an expression of our life to other people I had to lay down what I had believed before and I hold on to that this has happened numerous times in my life since then I am embarrassed of the arguments I've had with people over doctrinal issues that now I could go back and say man I was not fully right with that so I ask you today to ask God through your life, especially even today, is what are you holding on to so tightly that's blocking you? What bias do you have of this Messiah, of this God, of this King that's blocking you? What doctrines will you just never, never let God move and shape? You'll be able to tell the true doctrines because there's a testimony of God's fruit that lives out of the people that have that there's love and joy and peace and patience there's goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control not only in them but it says that it splashes on those that are with them and then it goes on here and he says and he wondered at their unbelief I think there's a huge thing here about unbelief I believe God is the initiator of everything on this planet, God's the initiator of things in your life and all the things that come into your life, but I believe there's a responsibility that you and I have, and I believe that that our unbelief can really stop things from taking place, to experience that which has already been given to us. they He marveled at them. He had just told them all kinds of things. He had showed them all the works, and yet they missed it. John 14, it says that, he says to the disciples, he said, just believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or believe me for the sake of the works and the miracles themselves. And he says that that I came here and you will believe these things, you will be able to do the things that I do, and greater things will you be able to do because I go to the Father. But now, when he said it, even his disciples going out themselves and doing the miracles had still missed it. They're so convinced that this is about this world, and about this kingdom of heaven being this world, that they're missing all the things that are there. So when they hear that, and and I've talked to many people, and many of you probably, that have said, he said we could do greater things than these, and yet somehow I'm not seeing it. I have prayed for healing and healing and healing, and nothing has happened. And he said I'd have greater works than these. I can tell you that there's not anybody in here that's probably prayed for more healing than I have for my son's legs. And he's still not healed. So let's look at the next part. He says, and then he summoned the twelve, and he sent them out in pairs, and he was, he was giving them authority to cast out demons. He's the one that gave them authority. I want to pause here for a minute, and I want you to listen fully, because I know I can be misunderstood here, and I don't want to be. I think so often we hear this, and we try to mimic, and we try to do things just because we saw Jesus do things. How many of you have grabbed a glass of water, a pitcher of water, and have touched it and turned it into the best wine ever? Nobody in here? Not one person? Okay. I think we are so fixated on this world and this kingdom that we have in our mind and God I think is going to show you some things and I want you to understand when he sent them out and they began to do these things they were given authority by God himself and only could they do it because God gave them authority And only you and I, if God so chooses, which I believe he does at times, chooses to use you or use me to lay a hand on somebody or to to have some healing, it's only because the Holy Spirit of God purposed to do that, and he gave you authority. We have a lot of people trying to do this that haven't been given authority. And so therefore, people, we've come to believe that there is no God. When I had a horrible crash in my life, uh... It was in 1976, 77. And I came to an end of myself. I had no idea of the pain that life could offer. And so when I crashed, I remember going to a place that was going to help me. And everybody threw up their hands. They didn't know what to do. And somebody came in and said, well, you're demonized. And I was, o- I was okay. Then get rid of it. So they began to pray and pray over the Spirit and they got done, and nothing happened. And I became greatly despaired. Because I said, okay, if this is demon, and you prayed over it, then he that is in me is not stronger than he is in this world. And I remember that, how hurt I got. And what happened is God brought the truth and began to reveal things that I had believed that were lies that were causing me. And I believed there were demonic influences that were that were. involved in the lies in my mind but he began to influence me to the truth and God began to set me free to a gospel that was a full gospel and I began to see freedom in that but I feel like that's what we do sometimes in our standing up uh, for praying for healing and things like that when the Holy Spirit has not given you authority now please don't misunderstand me here I believe God can heal I believe God does heal but I believe that he showed me that there's something that is way bigger than what we are doing. If you're going to go down to the Grand Canyon, how many of you have actually seen the Grand Canyon in person? It is astonishing. I, I'd flown over it, I'd seen pictures, but until I stood there, I was breathless when I looked at the, that. But on the way, when I was driving to the Grand Canyon, there were signs on the side of the road. Because I wasn't sure where I was going to go, and the signs were showing you grand canyon giving you pictures this way and this way i did not stop and sit before the sign and sit there and say gosh this is cool to see the grand canyon the sign was a sign pointing me to the grand canyon all the miracles and the healing miracles are signs To point you to Jesus Christ and who he is and the fullness of what his gospel is. The sign is not where we stop. We get so many people fixated on the healing and not on who this is about. And I believe this happens so much in our life. I believe that we need to see deeper into something. The woman at the well came and she wanted, she was thirsty, she wanted water. And he said, There's a water that's way different than what you're thinking of. It's a water that gives living water that comes into you and flows. It never ends. You'll never get thirsty again. The miracles in here they talk about. Are miracles that will get you into what God is saying is you guys, when you came to understand that Jesus Christ was your freedom and your salvation, he says that a new heart was put in you. And then it says, and you were made a new creation. That word new creation means never existed before. Somebody is entirely different in you and lives in a different world than on this planet. And I believe if we will let the healing come the way God wants to heal us, You guys that were here years ago when the pastor was here before Ben, he was a friend of ours, Steve Balsley, and I'll never forget the phone call he called me Well, I was sitting with him actually on a golf course, and uh, he was, (coughs) (coughs) and Dr. Strand, a friend of ours, said, you need to get that checked right away. He goes, what? He goes, that. So he calls me about four days later, and he's crying, and he says, Bill, I have cancer. And it took him by surprise. At first, he just wanted it to be taken care of. He wanted to be healed so he could go on and keep ministering. But if you guys watched what happened, his eyes no longer focused on his physical body's healing. All he basically was looking for is that life-giving message of the life of Christ and what he was designed for. And he says, basically, this cancer was an invitation and a key for me to go where I belong to go it was an invitation for that and he he wore that so clearly if you saw it you saw a whole world open up to him Isaiah 49 6 says it is a small thing that you should be my servant and I'll make you a light in the nations so that the salvation that I'm giving will be reaching to the entire world do you, believe, do you realize that when Christ was on that cross, everybody wanted him to have a kingdom for that day and be that kingdom? If that would have happened, none of us would have been saved. He had something way bigger in mind. So when some illness comes upon you, I think it's okay to say, God, let me maybe read uh, how my wife worded it this morning. Was When illness strikes, we may wonder, is this my ticket to get to go home? Do I get to go be where I was designed to be, a place that I was created for? But if not, if sickness can be like a special invitation to leave this soiled earth, but God, if there's any chance of removing the f- physical hindrances to my ability that I might express Your life and ex- experience the fruit of Your spirit given to me, but if not, help me glorify You even in the midst of the sickness. And so I I challenge you that. When these guys went out, and they went out, we focused so much on the signs, and we focused so much on the fact that these signs are what's important, rather than knowing that the signs were simply telling you about something bigger down the road, something that you're going to get to see, and the Grand Canyon opens up to you. Now, just a lot of you are scratching your head, and I'm not saying you don't pray for healing. I'm not saying that you don't pray against these unclean spirits that somehow can control and go after your mind. But the only reason that I'm doing that is so that I might be a better vessel to move on to that place that God wants to use me so that I might present His life in a full way to them. Last week, Nick talked about everybody that came to KME, whether you were from the gal that was ostracized from all people that had the blood sickness or the disease until otherwise the big guy that was important over here. When they came to realize their desperation and their need for Christ, they had the same response. What was it? They fell down before him. All the way through scripture, whenever I see any time God decides to just reveal a little picture of himself, it says they fell down before him. Isaiah fell down before him. Peter in the boat fell down before him and said, Depart from me, I'm a wicked man. Moses fell down before him. I ask you today as you go that you would go ahead and at least say, God, if there's biases in my life, if there's things that are blocking me, that i stumble over so that i cannot see and hear what you want me to hear you told me in matthew jesus that you said you will you will keep in us hearing but we will not understand you'll keep on seeing but we will not perceive for the heart of these people has become dull with their ears they scarcely hear they've closed their eyes otherwise they would see with their eyes who was before them they'd hear with their ears and understand with their heart and would then return and then I would heal them the full healing for truly I say to you many righteous people desired to see me and see what you guys are seeing right now and to hear what you hear but they did not because they were blinded so I would pray that you would ask God to remove those I would pray in some way that you would bend your knee and fall down before him and that you would be able to humble yourself before this mighty god let me close with a little story and then the music can come up here when i was uh studying for uh opening our counseling center our biblical counseling center and we were going through some of the theology classes i was busy studying one night and my wife said hey there's a preacher in town i want to go hear him and uh and i said why don't you go ahead i've got too much to do and she she went to listen to this guy, and, uh, and she came home. And when she came home, uh, she came in the door. She came in different. There was something about the way she walked into the room when she came in. And I asked her yesterday, she goes, I don't hardly remember that. And I said, well, I do. I was absolutely thinking, what happened? It was almost like she was dazed. I thought maybe she had a stroke or something. And she walked in and said, I don't know that I will ever be the same after that message and she proceeded to do some things that had me a little concerned and again a lot of times when you hear things you go all the way over to one side and you get over both but she began to give away furniture in our house she gave away a washer and a dryer and and I was like okay and she basically was releasing herself of all these things because the message had moved her now she came back and she balanced herself But that message impacted her, and thus I went on and re-listened to it, and it had an impact in my life that changed the way that I looked at things in this world. I realized the two truths that we came to is that we don't own anything in this world. God owns it all. None of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live unto the Lord, and if we die, we die unto the Lord. So therefore, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's, says in Romans. But then I also realized there's another truth. Being God's heir, I own it all. I lack nothing. So we began to live those truths out of our life, and they were life-changing. Would you pray with me? Father I have no clue whether anything that you put in my heart that was burning in my veins came across but it wasn't on my words, it wasn't on my language or my vocabulary this is on you. You said you began a good work in these people and you bring them to the place of salvation and freedom there may be people here that have never even experienced you As their Savior and Lord I pray that you would humble their heart and they would bend their knee and realize that they were designed for you and you were designed for them and that this would be a day that they would never be the same they'd become a new creation that would never turn back there's many of us here that have so many different biases that block us from hearing the freedom of your truth there's so many of us here today that live so fully in this uh, human world that we live for all the physical freedoms here missing the liberty and freedom of our spiritual life i pray that you would balance us in both places and i pray father your holy spirit would move upon these people today and i ask it with total confidence because jesus said i could ask you that amen
0: heaven without us so Jesus you brought heaven down my sin was great your love was greater
1: what could separate us
0: now what a wonderful name Oh, great